section we're looking at, we're looking at our, the second encounter that believers have with the person of the Holy Spirit. Our first encounter is when we're born again. All believers um, encounter the Holy Spirit at the new birth. For all believers are born of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit takes up residence on the inside of all of us. Thus we are all temples of the Holy Spirit. However, there is then a subsequent experience, encounter with the Holy Spirit, which our Lord referred to as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we're having a look at those uh, other encounters now as we go through uh, these passages of Scripture. Um, we've had a look at two um, previous encounters. We've had a look at um, two previous examples, should I say. We had a look at the day of Pentecost and we had a look at the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the city of Samaria. In today's teaching, we wanted to have a look at the last three examples given to us in the New Testament, the book of Acts, uh, regarding this particular encounter that believers can have with the Holy Spirit. We said there were five examples all in all, and uh, we're going to look at the last three in today's teaching. And so the first one we'll have a look at is the baptism of the Holy Spirit incurred by the Apostle Paul. And we pick up the, his account in Acts chapter 9, verse 10 to 18. The scripture says, Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street, call straight, and inquire at the house of one of at the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him so that he might receive his sight. Verse 17. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may, that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. And so, again, just to, to remind us that this series, we're looking uh, primarily at the various phenomena that accompany our encounters with the Holy Spirit. The whole point being is so that we can have a biblical uh, foundation to those encounters. So that uh, the saints, um, when they see certain um, supernatural phenomena taking place uh, in their midst, they can de uh, discern which is of the Lord and which is not. And so we get to Paul's account of being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul had already been born again on the road to Damascus, for our Lord Jesus had appeared to him while he was on the road to Damascus. And uh, a blinding light uh, shone all around him and his companions at the same time. Uh, Paul was exposed to the fullness of that light, which is why the Lord placed scales upon his eyes. If you read Paul's account in the book of Acts, he says that that light was brighter than the noonday sun. And so if anybody's tried to look into the noonday sun, they will recognize just how bright that light, in fact, must have been. Um, and so Paul goes into, he, he, after his encounter with the Lord, he rises up from the ground and he is, has been blinded. Um, he then is led into the city by the hand, obviously, because he can't see anymore. And he then fasts and prays 
for three days. He eats nothing and he also drinks nothing. Now while he is fasting and praying, the Lord Jesus gives him a vision showing him this person, uh, this disciple called Ananias, coming in and laying hands on him that he may receive his sight. Now Ananias, um, the Lord appears to him and we we don't hear the Lord specifically saying to Ananias, I want you to go lay hands on Paul that he may be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, but when Ananias does come to Paul in the house, he says to him that the Lord had sent him to that he may lay his hands on him, that he may receive his sight and also be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so the Lord had specifically given an instruction to Ananias to lay hands on Paul and that he might be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now don't forget, Paul has been born again three days before this event. Um, and so here we see another account of the Holy Spirit being imparted through the laying on of hands. And also what we see in this account is, this is one of the accounts we see where uh, one disciple laid hands on another disciple so that they could be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the other two accounts we've seen thus far, uh, the disciples were filled on the day of Pentecost directly from heaven. Uh, the, the account in Samaria, two ministers of the gospel, Peter and John, laid their hands on the disciples to fill them with the Holy Spirit. But here we have just a normal disciple, Ananias, laying hands on Paul and filling him with the Holy Spirit. Um, now, Ananias could do that because he himself had already been filled with the Holy Spirit. But our Lord specifically sent Ananias to... Um, one of these, one of the aspects that our Lord sends Ananias to Paul for on that day is so that he could be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now we don't know of any other phenomena that occurred when Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit on this occasion. We do know that Paul began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave him utterance. You say, well, where do we see that in Scripture? Well, the Apostle Paul is the one who taught extensively on tongues. And in fact, he said in uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 14, 18, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than you all. And so Paul definitely spoke in other tongues when he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, Paul on this occasion also was baptized in water and an ice um, took him and he baptized him in water as well. But that is um, all the phenomena really that we see coming through on this particular occasion when Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now it could be that when the tangible power of God came upon Paul that he might have displayed other manifestations as well such as trembling, whatever it might have been. The only one that we know about is that Paul uh, would have spoken in other tongues. And so we see um, the pattern here in this account that the Holy Spirit was imparted through the laying on of hands uh, Paul received the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave him utterance. Now, that was the evidence, that was the main evidence that Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the, the first account we want to look at today. The second account we want to have to look at today is the account of the Gentiles uh, first being brought into the kingdom of God. The first time we see record of Gentiles being added to the church. And we pick up that account in Acts chapter 10, verse 44 to 48. And the scripture says, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. 
and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Verse 46, For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered and said, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And so the context of this account is that uh, this is roughly six years after the church has begun, uh, six years after our Lord ascended into heaven. Um, and no preaching had taken place among the Gentiles, except for one individual, the Apostle Paul. Uh, for the first three years of Paul's ministry, he doesn't preach to the Gentiles because he goes away to Arabia, he preaches to the Jews in Damascus, he then comes to the Jews in uh, Jerusalem, he preaches there for a very short period of time, 15 days. And then the Jews try to kill him in Damascus, the Jews try to kill him in, in Jerusalem, and so the disciples send him off <coughs> to Tarsus, and he goes away to Tarsus. We don't hear anything from Paul in Scripture that transpired after that time. And it's a period of roughly about three years where we hear nothing about Paul's ministry. But I can guarantee you that Paul began to speak to the Gentiles straight away because um, there was his mandate given to him right from the outset. The Lord, in appearing to him on the road to Damascus, had said to him that he was sending him to the Gentiles. So Paul had begun preaching to the Gentiles right up front. When I say up front, uh, three years into his ministry. The rest of the Jews, however, had not preached to the Gentiles at all because they were fully convinced that the, the, the gospel of salvation was for the Jews only and not for the Gentiles. And so if you go back and you read the account, the Lord deals with Peter about the issue. He gives him the vision of the sheep uh, being let down from heaven, rise Peter, kill and eat, and Peter arguing with the Lord, and the Lord sorting him out eventually. And so the Lord sends Peter down to uh, Cornelius' house, who is a, not a proselyte, he is a Gentile. If he were a proselyte, Peter would have had no problem going to his house. But if you go read the account, Peter said it's unlawful for a Jew to enter into a fellowship or house of uh, a Gentile. It's the gist of what he was saying. It's actually not unlawful. It's just the tradition that um, the Jews were following at that time, including Peter and the rest of the apostles. So it just shows you how strictly they were adhering to the law. Anyway, so the Lord deals with Peter. Peter begins to preach the gospel to Cornelius and the rest of his uh, household and friends that are gathered together in the house. And that's the account that we see. While Peter is preaching the gospel to them, they're born again. Um, if you go read the, uh, Peter's sermon, you will see that Peter had preached to them that they, Jesus had been raised from the dead, that Jesus was in fact Lord. And uh, Romans 10 teaches us very clearly that in order for us one, for one to be born again, we have to believe in our heart that God has raised Christ from the dead and we have to confess him as Lord. And so that criteria had been met by the Gentiles while they were listening to Peter preach. Um, and so God changed their hearts straight away because they, they believed the gospel. As they believed, they were born again. It was at that instant that God then filled them with the Holy Spirit. God did that sovereignly. No mention was made to the Gentiles even about the Holy Spirit. They didn't know about the Holy Spirit. Peter mentions nothing about it in his sermon 
while Peter's still preaching, this event takes place. It takes the Jews, there were six Jewish, Jewish brethren that were with Peter on that occasion. It takes them all by surprise, it takes Peter by surprise as well, when they see the Gentiles being baptized with the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, there would have been certain phenomena that would have occurred on this occasion, but the one main phenomena that occurs is that they hear them speak with other tongues. Now, why did God have to do this? Why did God have to baptize the Gentiles uh, sovereignly himself and not let Peter get them born again and then Peter lay hands on them because he had that ministry. We saw that in the account with Samaria. He could have then laid hands on them. They would have been filled with the Holy Spirit. The reason that God had to do this is God had to convince the Jews Peter himself and also those six brethren that were with Peter, that in fact the Gentiles were born again. Because even if the Gentiles had proclaimed, we believe that Jesus is the Messiah, we've, you know, we, we, we've, we've given our hearts to the Lord and we can feel that we're born again, the Jews would not have believed them. And the Jews would not have allowed them to be baptized in water because the Jews were still convinced that salvation was only for the Jews and not for the Gentiles. So the way God overcame the problem is that he baptized the Gentiles in the Holy Spirit in front of the Jews. And so when they saw that, it was game over. They realized to their dismay that God in fact had called the Gentiles into the kingdom of God as well. Now what is the evidence that the Jews recognized that they were convinced that these Gentiles had now been filled with the Holy Spirit? Verse 46 for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And so even though there were other phenomena that occurred on this occasion, and, and Peter does allude to it, for he says in um, uh, another account, Acts 11.15, in relating the account to Jews at a later stage, he says that God filled them with the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit just as we did when we were first filled pointing the Jews back to the day of Pentecost. And if you recall what we've discussed on the day of Pentecost, there was certain phenomena that um, occurred that caused the Jews standing around, the unbelieving Jews standing around them, to think that they were drunk. And so the Gentiles on this occasion would have experienced the same phenomena. The, the tangible power of God coming upon them, causing some of them to tremble, causing some of them to weep, causing some of them to laugh uncontrollably, uh, causing some of them to scream and uh, shout out for joy. But all of them spoke with other tongues. And it's, it's not the other evidence that convinced the Jews that they had been filled with the Holy Spirit. So even if the Jews had observed the Gentiles falling under the power of God, or um, laughing uncontrollably, or weeping, or trembling, um, they would not have been convinced that that was the Holy Spirit. What convinced the Jews that the Gentiles had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit was the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And so that is the main evidence and it is the first evidence that uh, disciples have in fact partaken of the second encounter of being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the only evidence that the Jews would have accepted and that's all they saw that made them be convinced God's called the Gentiles into the kingdom of God. And so that is now the second of the three accounts we want to have a look at uh, in today's um, teaching. 
And so just again to, to recap, um, God sovereignly, the, the Gentiles were also filled directly from heaven, even as the Jews were on the day of Pentecost. Um, all of them were filled. There were none that were left out. All spoke with other tongues. And there were also certain other phenomena that occurred, however sporadically among them. But that wasn't the main evidence that convinced the Jews that they were filled. Speaking in tongues is the evidence that convinced the Jews that the Gentiles had been filled with the Holy Spirit. Very important that we pick up on that particular point. And then we'll look at the last account in the book of Acts that describes the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this second encounter that we can have with the Holy Spirit after we come into the kingdom of God. And we pick up that account in Acts chapter 19, verse 1 through to 7. The scripture says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now, the men were about 12 in all. So let's unpack this particular account. Um, what happens here, Paul comes across 12 disciples. There's a misunderstanding that occurs between the two of them as the conversation starts out. Because Paul is under the impression that they are disciples of the Lord. And so in response, one of the things Paul asks, he says, have you guys been baptized? They answer, yes. So then he goes on. I know you say, where do you pick that up? Well, because that's how this conversation really went down the, if you go read the, the inference in this conversation. The answer is yes. So Paul is still under the impression that these are disciples of the Lord who have been baptized in water. Now he asks the question. He says to them, um, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And so Paul asks a very important question. He says, when you believed, did you receive the Holy Spirit? So we back up and we say, Paul, but I thought everybody receives the Holy Spirit when they believe. Paul is not talking about that. Paul is talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Paul recognizes that it is a subsequent event to salvation, which is why he asks them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They then say to him, we've not even heard about the Holy Spirit. Paul now backs up because he, 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 he's starting to, the penny's starting to drop with Paul. He says, okay, but then into what were you baptized? Now, now we can infer, this is an inferring that Paul had asked them, were you baptized in water? So Paul says, okay, well, then into what were you baptized? Their reply is into John's baptism. Now the penny drops completely and Paul recognizes, okay, these are disciples of John, not disciples of the Lord. And so what Paul then does is he takes them from that point of being disciples of John, and he explains to them what John was all about, pointing them to the Messiah that would come, and that Jesus is in fact that Messiah. They hear the gospel preached now through, 
the Apostle Paul. And they believe and they are converted and they become disciples of the Lord. And they receive the Holy Spirit inside them as that witness. Paul then takes them and now baptizes them again in water. So again, that just answers the question for us because even though they had been baptized in water under John's ministry, it is important for believers to be baptized in water as new, newborn believers in Christ. Uh, we're not going to get into water baptism today. He baptizes them in, in water. After he does that, it is at that point that Paul now lays hands on them that they may be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they speak with tongues and they prophesy on this occasion. And so the phenomena that we see taking place, firstly, we need to recognize very clearly that Paul taught this event of baptism of the Holy Spirit as being a subsequent event to salvation. It's not the same event. It's a, the second encounter, as we've been discussing. And we see also very clearly that the Holy Spirit was imparted through the laying on of hands on this occasion. So of the five uh, uh, examples given to us in Scripture, in fact, there is a sixth one in Timothy's letter. Paul's writing to Timothy. Paul reminds Timothy that he received the Holy Spirit through the laying on of Paul's hands. So in fact, there are six accounts given to us in the New Testament. Of the six accounts, four of them um, show us that the Holy Spirit is imparted through the laying on of hands. Two of them show us the Holy Spirit is imparted directly from heaven. And so very clearly, the majority of people will be baptized with the Holy Spirit through the vehicle of the laying on of hands. And there is a reason for that. It's because people find it easier to release their faith when physical contact is made. But that's beside the point. And so the, the saints were filled with the Holy Spirit through the laying of hands. The first evidence that was made manifest after they were filled is they began to speak with other tongues. And so again, all five accounts we see here, of the five, four of them very clearly show us that all the saints spoke with other tongues. The other account in, with regards to the saints in Samaria, it is alluded to. And so that is the evidence, because don't forget the Jews in um, Cornelius's home would not have been convinced that they were filled with the Holy Spirit had they not heard them speak with other tongues. So that is the main evidence and the first evidence that is shown, uh, the first phenomena that is shown when the saints are filled with the Holy Spirit. But in this instance over here, we also see another phenomena that occurs, and that is that they began to prophesy as well. In other words, the gift of prophecy had also been imparted to them. So not only did the disciples on this occasion receive the gift of tongues, but they also received the gift of prophecy. And so it is very possible and it is scriptural for when saints have their second encounter with the Holy Spirit through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, not only to um, speak forth in other tongues as the Spirit gives them utterance, but also some will receive a gift of the Holy Spirit. Some may even receive more gifts of the Holy Spirit depending on their calling in the body of Christ. And so to summarize what we have seen over these five accounts, all the saints present at the time were filled with the Holy Spirit. Every one of the saints spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. All of the saints would have experienced some form of tangible power of God coming upon them. And they would have reacted differently depending on their own emotional makeup and also how what, a, what powerful encounter they might, might or might not have had. 
Because not all people who are full of the Holy Spirit have a powerful encounter with God. Some is just a very quiet experience, but they all speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives them utterance. And so those are the five accounts that we looked at of the second encounter. And that's as far as we want to go on today's teaching. In the next teaching, we're going to have a look at what it means to be sealed with the Spirit. We're going to end the teaching that one.